please listen carefully. Hey, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Kate Orslan. And I'm John Haley. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. John, welcome to your first podcast. Thanks, Kate. Pleasure to be here. We're happy to have you aboard. For those for our listeners today, we welcomed two new employees to the legal team within the past few weeks, and John is here to jump into the podcast life. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> As part of your new employee training, you've had to review a lot of the policies that we have around the workplace. And one of those policies being our anti-harassment policy, which is incredibly timely because sexual harassment has been dominating news headlines the past few weeks. Although these headlines are about politicians, reporters, and Hollywood stars, uh, harassment can be an issue in any workplace. So while the holidays are typically a joyous time around the office, there's also a lot of after-hours parties and events with more relaxed environment including potentially alcohol, meaning it can leave some people vulnerable to harassment in the workplace. That's right. And today we thought it would be appropriate to discuss how to prevent harassment in the workplace and what policies brokers should have in place to make sure their employees and independent contractors aren't subject to any unwanted conduct. Uh, So first of all, John, what is workplace harassment? Harassment is any unwelcome verbal, visual, or physical conduct based on a person's protected class. Under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the protected classes are race, color, religion, sex, national origin, disability, or genetic information. Now, harassment can be any kind of unwelcome conduct, intentional or unintentional. It does not need to be purposeful. That includes sexual advances, slurs, jokes, innuendos, or even inappropriate gestures. These can be sexually charged or based on a protected class. And in addition, they can be nonverbal or visual. Harassment becomes unlawful when enduring in the workplace, when enduring this offensive conduct kind of becomes a condition of the continued employment rate or the conduct is so severe or pervasive enough to create a hostile work environment. So we're kind of saying the conduct isn't just a slight annoyance, but actual serious incidents. Generally, you look at the test of being, would a reasonable person in this alleged victim's circumstances find the common or conduct so unwelcome that it would create this hostile or intimidating work environment? So now that we have an idea of what workplace harassment is, we need to find out who can commit workplace harassment. I think a lot of people think that it's kind of limited to that supervisor-supervisee relationship, right? Because that's kind of what we see so frequently portrayed on TV. But really, the reality is it can be anyone. It can be men or women, coworkers, managers, vendors, even a client or customer. It's not just going to be limited to a supervisor-supervisee relationship. Right. In Virginia, complaints alleging discrimination by an employer with 6 to 14 employees fall under state jurisdiction. And if the employer has 15 or more, or in the case of age discrimination, 20 or more employees... Those cases fall under federal jurisdiction, which includes discriminatory termination from employment, as well as hostile environments and equal pay issues. Now, brokers are not generally liable for harassment of an independent contractor under federal law. So you may have heard in the news recently about wave of litigation around worker misclassification. 
people who are really employees who were classified as independent contractors and their employers were, you know, hit pretty hard for it with fines. So for more information on making sure that agents are properly classified as independent contractors, check out our previous episode on independent contractors, which was released back at the end of August. Uh, the Fourth Circuit has determined that Title VII does not apply to independent contractors, and that was also held in the 2009 case out of Maryland. We're in Virginia, so obviously Maryland court cases aren't necessarily precedent in Virginia, but when they're referencing Fourth Circuit cases, we do kind of fall under that precedent. Just know that it's it can be relevant, although not mandatory precedent here. That's right. Local civil rights ordinances may not exempt brokers from liability with independent contractors. So it's important that you talk to an attorney who can provide you with some advice about your specific situation. Nevertheless, if an agent's complaining of harassment by another agent, um, it's really not a great idea to ignore that complaint, right? Because as a broker, you're still in charge of the office. Even though most real estate agents are classified as independent contractors, if not for legal reasons, then for, you know, workplace efficiency and ethical reasons, you probably want to be taking that complaint seriously. As realtors, you're subject to the Code of Ethics and Article 10 of the Code of Ethics prohibits discrimination in employment practices on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, handicap, familial status, national origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity. And then furthermore, in the related standard of practice 10-4, that specifies that real estate employment practices relates to employees and independent contractors providing real estate-related services and the administrative and clerical staff directly supporting those individuals. So what does that mean? It means that even if there's not legal liability, you're still prohibited from engaging in harassment as part of the code of ethics and can face sanctions from a hearing panel. So again, it's going to be prudent to have policies in place that specify reporting and investigation procedures, which we'll get to in in just a minute. Additionally, employers can be held liable for harassment that's conducted by independent contractors against their employees. In one case in the Seventh Circuit, the court held that an employer is responsible for providing employees with a non-discriminatory work environment. So that doesn't matter where the inequality comes from. It could be an employee, independent contractor, or even a customer. What matters is how the employer handles that situation. So, I mean, you think about that. That could even be delivery people, repair people that can lead to a hostile work environment and can really be anyone. I know in one court case, they suggested that even an employer could be held liable for a parrot harassment of employees. You know, they were speculating about that, which sounds completely ridiculous, right? Tune in for our next podcast on bird law. (laughs) Bird law. What policies should you have in place? Well, first of all, you should have an anti-harassment policy that is written down, and that policy needs to clearly define workplace harassment and identify who is covered by the policy. It should encourage employees to report harassment, and it also should include an anti-retaliation statement, something that says that people who report harassment in good faith will not be subject to retaliation. I think that in good faith is is important, right? If you actually believe there's an issue with harassment and you report it, There shouldn't be retaliation. Obviously, we're not talking about people who are making deliberate false reports. Right, right. It has to be done in good faith. The policy also needs to be clear on where employees should report these issues of harassment. And it also should explain the investigation process and specify the potential consequences of workplace harassment. For example, it may say that your consequence is termination or you'll be placed on unpaid leave or something like that. 
You also need to make sure that you include a second and a third option for reporting harassment, just in case, for example, the person who is actually making the harassment is the person to whom you would normally report that harassment. So you want to make sure you have a backup and then a backup to the backup in that, that case. That makes sense. So having these policies and procedures clearly spelled out can absolutely help limit your liability and make sure your employees know how to report any issues they encounter. But obviously, and we say this time and time again, you need to do more than just have these policies in place. In the event that you ever receive a report of harassment, you need to take it seriously. Follow the procedures you have in place. Policies are great, but if you don't actually use them, then they're pretty worthless. And when in doubt, contact an employment attorney to help guide you through the process. That's what they're there for. They can make sure you understand the consequences of moving forward. Let's take it to the legal hotline. Our first question, my agents are all independent contractors. Can I make them adhere to an anti-harassment policy? Because Virginia rules and regulations require brokers to exert supervision over their agents, you can certainly have an anti-harassment policy as part of your office policy manual. It's going to be prudent, however, to have this as one of your policies because it can help to limit any potential liability. Kate, our office manager complained about harassment from one of our clients. The client's not one of my employees. What am I expected to do? I don't have any control over his actions. So we, we discussed this a little bit earlier. Under certain circumstances, you can also be held liable for third-party harassment of an employee. Courts have determined, this is what we discussed, that employers are responsible for providing employees with non-discriminatory working conditions. And so it doesn't matter where the inequality comes from. What matters is how the employer handles the problem. And in determining whether the employer is liable under Title VII, a court must examine whether it created or tolerated discriminatory working conditions for its employees. So you should take the complaint seriously and work on ensuring that your employee feels safe in the working environment. There's really a number of steps you can take in this type of situation. You can talk to the client, assign a different agent to work with that client, and ultimately terminate the brokerage relationship. So make sure to consult with an attorney about your situation to make sure you don't end up facing allegations of discrimination by the client or breach your brokerage agreement. But remember, the safety of your employees is always going to be more important than any potential sale. So our final legal hotline question is, can I terminate my relationship with a client because she is harassing me? Well, agency relationships are voluntary, but if you've entered into one with a client, then you can't just terminate without cause. Otherwise, the brokerage firm may be subject to liability. You also should remember that the agency agreement is technically with the brokerage firm and not an individual agent. As an agent, you should talk to your broker about ways to remove yourself from the situation. As a broker, if your agent is being harassed by a client, you should seek counsel from an attorney on how to enforce safe working conditions and potentially seek a release from the agreement with the client if that's necessary. Our final segment on limiting your risk. So to review what we've discussed, make sure you create that written anti-harassment policy. It should be in plain language and easy to understand. Make sure your employees and contractors actually understand the policy. So making sure it's easy to understand will definitely go far in that. Conduct anti-harassment training. Make sure that your employees and independent contractors understand what harassment is and how they can address it if situations arise. Encourage employees and independent contractors to report harassment and maintain that no retaliation policy where any victim reporting harassment in good faith will not be subject to negative action regardless of the outcome of the investigation. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. 
Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes and rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the Legal tab on the For Members section. Make sure you are logged in to see this page. Thanks. Bye. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is a general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and the laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2017. This podcast features the song, Please Listen Carefully, by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Share-Alike license.